Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another esports moment. I am Seamus Byrne, and this time I have an interview with a player. I don't usually talk to the players that much, but I am interested in seeing what you, the audience, thinks about me adding more player interviews into the mix. This week, I'm talking to Finn Carrigan Anderson. He is one of my favorite players on the Counter-Strike circuit. He's been around for, for basically about 10 years in the scene since the old 1.6 days, and he's played with a lot of different teams over the years in a lot of different environments. We talk about that journey, and we also talk about the fact he's had an interesting year. Interesting isn't necessarily the word people want things described as. He's had team changes. At IEM Sydney last year, he was part of the, the winning team at that tournament. But since that time, he's had a number of changes. He was dropped by FaZe Clan. He was on loan to Envy for a while. That didn't work out, but now he's arrived at Mouse Sports and he's been having a really good time there and working with a very young team and bringing his veteran qualities to that young group of players. So we talk a lot about that journey, what it's like to be benched, how you find that energy to work hard again with a new team, and also the fact that he is a great showman. He loves relishing that moment on the big stage. And we talk about that fact. I love the fact that he basically says every time he goes out there, he wants to treat it like maybe this is that last time. And you can really see that he loves to try to get the audience into the game and just relishes everything about those big stage moments. So it was fantastic to get to catch up with Carrigan. As I said, I really do think he's one of my favorite players on the world circuit. So great to get the chance to talk to him behind the scenes at IEM Sydney. So here it is, my moment with Carrigan. Since Intel Extreme Masters last year, kind of it's been a journey, but I'd, I'd love even on the on the really big picture sense of the fact that you've been around this scene for a long time, um, you know, how how that whole experience of being a player at an elite level in CSGO has evolved so far since, you know, CS 1.6 days, we weren't kind of <laughs> quite in stadiums like this, and or if we were, it was only in one or two places around the world, and and now kind of it's... It's this kind of grand picture of it. You know, how, how has that journey been for you as, as a player? I mean, as a player, this has been an awesome journey. Um, obviously, um, right before I got the offer from TSM, I was thinking about stopping. Um, because I had my bachelor and I felt like CS is not really moving the direction 
uh, I wanted. Uh, it's really hard to do a living up back then when you had like uh, 400 euros in salary uh, yeah. and you play like uh, 60 hours a week. It's really not justifiable, but I, I still believe it was my passion. Um, to this day, it's it's way different. It's a, it's a lifestyle, basically. You don't do anything but playing CS at home, uh, thinking about CS on the flight uh, for all the big tournaments. And, and obviously, the arena is, is why I play now. Um, I love to go in on the stage. Uh, I love to be on the stage. I love to put on a show for, for my teammates, for the crowd, and also just like for, for the tournament itself. And and look, it really does. Yeah, you know, every time I've seen you play, I've yeah, you know, I've been to Katowice as well, and it's kind of you you clearly embrace that kind of moment on stage, and really kind of you you help the crowd get into it. Do you feel like that really does? You're kind of also trying to spill that energy through the rest of your team as well. I mean, every time I walk on the stage, uh, I believe it's my last time on the stage. You never know what's going to happen. You never know if if, if something. It's going to happen within your team getting benched and you never really reach the playoff anymore. So I try to embrace it and try to enjoy the moment. And for me, it's enjoying the moment, getting the crowd, getting them hyped, get some energy in the game. Um, also, sometimes this helps me feeling better. If, if I make the, the whole arena make some noise, well, then then on my side, right? So, so they, they cheer for us even more. Yeah. As you sort of said as well, that through your career, you've played for lots of different teams. You've sort of had some changes over this last year. You know, how do you, how do you make sure that you sort of take those transitions in the best way possible and that you find that kind of new energy with, you know, with whichever team you sort of then move to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all it's very hard with the day you get benched or, or the week after you get benched. You think to yourself, like, where I'm going to go, what, what is my goal uh, What's what's wrong with me? You know, like all these questions comes to your mind. Um, but I have a, a lovely family, a lovely girlfriend who is really supporting me in the way and, and makes me believe that what I've achieved before, I can achieve again. And and I just need to learn from the, the small mistakes I did in the past and also uh, lately in phase. Like, and also when I came to Envy, I didn't play good enough individually. So that's something I worked really hard on here in Mouse. And it's something that pays off right now. Um, so I'm just happy to to get the opportunity to play with these young guys, and I'm enjoying every moment, every tournament we go to. Every day I wake up, I just enjoy playing CS. And look, you know, I, was, I just spoke to Carmack a short time ago, and he was sort of talking about actually that one of the most powerful things in any sport is is that sort of generational sort of change as as sort of older players you know move on and new players come in. But how how much are you enjoying that process of working with? A younger team and kind of bringing your experience to them and kind of watching them them grow alongside you. Yeah, I mean, it's way different than face. In face, in the end, I didn't feel respected or appreciated. So when you come into this lineup, there's so much appreciation and so much respect for me um, that it gives me a lot of confidence as an in-game leader and confident in myself. So it's kind of like refueling everything within the lineup, and, and, and that's the dynamic we have right now that that everybody believes every day we improve as a team. Uh, and I'm just happy that I can be these young guys, especially take 16 years old uh, guy in, into a professional scene and two months after we are reaching playoffs um, at our first big tournament. So, so I'm just happy I can be part of his journey to, to become one of the best players in the world. Again, back at that sort of big picture level of um, you know, what have been your kind of favorite milestones over the years, whether it is kind of specific tournaments or your own just experiences, but, but the fact that there have been so many big kind of changes in the scale at which these things are taking place. So there were are there key moments along that road that you were like, you know, the first time you walked into kind of some new stadium, like, 
here we are. Like this is this is going somewhere. Yeah, I, f- I feel I feel like there's three tournaments that every year just surprises me and just every year just makes me like forget about all these hours I used to play just to get where I am. And that's definitely Katowice, Cologne, and, and Sydney. Um, I feel at home in those arenas somehow. I have a, a strong connection, so every time I go in on those stages, it just fuels me inside to win so bad for the team. Um, so, so definitely those three arenas is where I look to and, and where I want to be every year. And, and if I'm not, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself not making it. Uh, you know, when we think about the you know the equivalent in in football or in different sports, you know that uh, that you know when a player changes teams, there can often be sort of interesting ways fans react. And clearly, we have huge online communities attached to all this as well. So, you know, how have you found? that process as well where you know you obviously everybody these days you've, you'll have some personal fans who kind of enjoy watching you wherever you move um but then how do the sort of the different teams embrace you as you kind of move into their environment as well yeah i feel like um now in esports people are actually getting more fans of personalities and and players than they are actually of the team like because the team will change over time you will change some players uh, along the time and then you'd have to decide are you following the player or are you following the the lineup right there was a, like a lot of um, talk behind the scenes to, uh, and from the community that wanted to replace me in face for a long time. Um, but right now, I just see on all my social media, like, come back to face, come back to face, you know. So it's obviously always something, uh, it's about how the team goes and how the team improves on. Um, but I have uh, had many messages uh, from face fans saying, like, I actually starting uh, liking this mouse project even more than face. So, so that means that, that some... Some fans are, are following the players instead of the the teams, and, and I think that's going to be the, uh, even more in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's not a kind of you know question about sort of when it stops, but rather what do you feel like compared to when you started? As you say, you had a business degree, and you're like, maybe I go do something else. Do you feel like uh, after you play now, there's actually career opportunities that keep you within esports, or do you think it's something where you do eventually move somewhere else? For sure, there's many opportunities. I also think if I will stop today, I have, will have coaching possibilities, doing something for, for organizations. So I always keep my good relationship with my former teams like Astralis and FaZe. Like, um, so it depends on what kind of player you are, right? Are you always this quiet, uh, quiet guy, um, not talking too much with people? But if you're a guy that, that's willing to do a lot of stuff PR-wise, you have a big uh, possibility in the future. Um, whether I'm going to do it, I have no idea. And that's something I'm going to take the day I finally feel uh, like I can't win a major. Yeah. And now, look, for people who listen to this who don't actually fully understand what, like, an in-game leader role is doing, you know, we're, we're watching the action on the screen. We're not hearing you guys sort of talking as well. You know, what's your best description for, for what it is that, you know, that that role is doing in coordinating the team? Like for me, is uh, is being the leader uh, out and inside the game. You you kind of have to lead your team in the right direction. It, it comes with preparation. It comes with uh, building the structure of the whole team. Um, try to like I'm famous for trying to get the most out of my players. I would never put them in an awkward position. And if not, we have to figure out. I will always take the the bad role and make everybody else happy. In, in, if that's the case. Um, but in the end, it's all about this uh, leading figure. Um, when the moment gets tight, you're still leading. Even if you have a bad game, you're still leading. Never get your mood down, but trying to, to keep the mood up in the team because as long as you give everything you have, 
and the leader is giving everything they have, everybody will follow the leader. Mm. And look, that's a discussion I've heard more and more online. Um, you know, in some ways, off the back of your departure from phase, is that idea that you know that the stats don't necessarily always tell the story of of what a what a leader brings to a team, and that if you're making everybody else play at their best, then you know then some of the stats don't matter nearly as much if someone else gets all the frags they need to win you the games, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes down to, like, like I always put this in a situation. When I was in phase, if Nico has a good game, I would not get a credit. If he has a bad game, I often get a credit for not putting him in position to getting all the frags. So <laughs> so that that's how it is as a leader. You don't always get the credit. Um, yeah. You get a lot of credit if you have, like, Maybe a team like this, I would get some credit. But when you're on a team like FaZe, everybody expects you to be the world beaters. And, and, and they think, like, if, if, if it doesn't work with him, like, then it has to be he's the problem, right? Because the players are still playing good. Um, so, yeah, stats is always something hard. But it's something you also, also can rely on when you're deciding who's the best player in the world. Obviously, simple is, right? So, so stats never lie. <laughs> it's still, still something you can say. Um, so, for people who, you know, I... I talk to a lot of parents who are, you know, desperately on one level hoping their kids don't just waste their life playing esports. On the other hand, starting to wonder, like, what's the right way for them to to train and explore this stuff? You know, what do you feel like in this modern era? Um, you know, a teenager who's trying to start working hard and actually pursue this stuff. What do you think is the right balance for them to to kind of both learn if they've got what it takes and not screw up the rest of their life? Yeah, what I always said was a backup plan. Uh, I knew that that maybe someday it's gonna explode. Maybe it's gonna not gonna explode, and I can't sit in in the basement and play all day long and and kind of like cut out from social life and and basically uh, education. So um, when people ask me like they want to take a year off to try to uh, reach their goals, I, I think that's a good idea. But also think you have to kind of set a timeline. If you don't reach some of the goals you have, and, and that can be some goals you set with your family, like do you have to get into a, a top 40 team on healthy ranking or do you need to get some offer where you get some small salary and improve from there? Um, so there's always these goals you set and, and I kind of put a timeline on where should I pursue my dream and, and when should I, okay, like prioritize it down to a second priority and then priority my education. So... I, I I just feel like if, if you want to become the best, you have to grind a lot and you have to take the opportunity when, once you have it. Yeah. And now you said earlier that, you know, when you walk out on that stage, you're really, you know, you're trying to experience it like it might be the last time. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you, know, how far ahead do you try to sort of think in terms of, of, of your focus in, in your efforts? Is it really just, you know, one match at a time and one stage at a time? Yeah, obviously it's, it's it's one day at a time uh, with with a new lineup. Uh, you don't think ahead or this tournament two months. We have to win it or something. It's every day you wake up and you want to improve on the mistakes you did yesterday. And and even if you do the same mistakes over and over and over for one month, when you're a new team, you just have to to wait for that day when it all clicks. Yeah, uh, it clicked kind of here in, in a few of the days, but but yesterday was obviously a tough one on us. Um, so so obviously you look ahead and and you look. Uh, for what to improve on practice and what you have to do for the upcoming tournament. Um, so, but obviously you can look ahead for the major. It's going to be a big thing for us. Uh, I think Cologne and, and the major is, is our two most important goals here the next uh, six months. So, so that's where we have to be kind of reaching our potential, um, especially for uh, for the major. Uh, and just as a as a last question, yeah, you know, what? You know what? What do you still love most about being part of of esports as as the uh, the career you've managed to carve out? 
Uh, it's definitely the the fans and the crowd. Um, I, I, what I always like about CS and esports generally is like there's no other sports where uh, fans are connected as much as they are with uh, with esports players. We are so open. Um, we are so people are answering uh, people's Instagrams, uh, text and and everything. There's there's just a, a very close connection, and it's kind of this that that you make you realize that actually esports is just growing and growing and growing. And when you walk on in that stadium, all those fans who ride you is cheering for you. So, so definitely, um, that is like the biggest part of it. It is playing in the stadium. It's not all the practice hours at home. That's not why you play CS. It's for reaching the playoff, and that's why you practice a lot. I mean, it's funny. We're now starting to see traditional sports stars more and more wanting to kind of come and hang out with the esports crew. You know, it's like uh, clearly. This is becoming the like the most exciting place in in entertainment. Yeah, and that's also what I realized when Neymar wrote to me. When we got to Furia, he wrote the uh, um, well played legend to me, and that was Neymar. Right, I was like, okay, it's it's getting a little bigger than <laughs> than expected. So yeah. <laughs> Esports Moment is produced by me, Seamus Byrne, as part of my Biteside podcast network. You can find all the shows at biteside.com or in all your favorite podcasting apps. And you can find articles I write over there in places like goat.com.au and in all kinds of other places out there on the internet. Follow me on Twitter. I am at Seamus and you will never miss anything. Also, if you are enjoying the show, if you do have feedback on the idea of more player interviews, then please let me know. Hit me up via that Twitter address or you can email us at uh, moment at biteside.com. That's right. And yeah, just let me know what you're thinking. And of course, you can always leave those reviews out on all the kind of podcast places that support that kind of thing. Catch you next time on the Esports Moment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.